0: It's occurring to me um, that since I've been here, and coronavirus has struck, that uh, I have done more online ministry than I ever thought I'd do in my life. And uh, some people, even now, probably are watching this, and uh, you actually have uh, not even been here in person since I have been here, and. Uh, just something I've been figuring out lately. It struck me again uh, just recently as we're preparing these videos to go out online uh, coming this week. That you may not know if you haven't been here much, but uh, I'm realizing it very clearly. I'm a lot better looking in person than I am online. <laughs> uh, thank you, Brother Paul. I knew it's true. Uh, it, in this, it's maybe the light, lighting in here. Um, and in the office areas uh, where we do the other videos, for some reason, it never gets me right. And uh, this goes for pictures, too, by the way. I've been noticing that as well. So um, uh, just uh, um, to let you know, if you've seen all of those, uh, it's very different in person. So uh, I don't know what the deal is, but I know it's, I know it's true. Um, I was taking a couple years ago, a year and a half ago, or so Olivia and I were on anniversary trip, and we were trying to take a picture at a big meal we had on our anniversary, and I kept trying to change the angle, and finally I realized there may not be a better angle <laughs> on my face, and uh, it used to not be that way, so I, I mean, I think it was the camera, but anyway, let's, let's open in prayer here. Lord, you know how much we all need to hear from you. And you know how little people here need to hear from me today, but how desperate they are to hear from you. Would you please be pleased to speak to us today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, I think this was back when Terry and Becky lived in Mansfield and we used to visit them. Uh, Somewhere along the highway over there, I remember... Driving, some of you probably have seen it, but there was a big billboard for a church. And the the billboard said uh, the big tagline was whatever church it was, where God is the focus. And then right beside it, or right underneath it, wherever it was, there was a huge picture of the pastor. And it always struck me as ironic. Now, it may have been a great church. they may have done wonderful ministry. I don't know the details. But at least that that billboard was missing the message. It was symbolically communicating something that I don't think we should communicate. It really was representing what is called today pastor-centered Christianity. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but I'm sure you've seen that lived out. It's a Christianity where where a pastor or a small group of pastors is at the center of everything in the church. And basically it's set up sort of like a business where you got a CEO and they run things and the church comes and you give your money, you give your attendance, they provide the services for you. Pastor-centered Christianity. Everything runs through the pastors. The church is sort of set up, so it seems, to let the pastor have his ministry to the people. And... I want to tell you that I don't believe that's the way God meant things to be. Um, Years ago, well, actually, it's happened more recently too. But there's this this thing that happened in Catholic Christianity some years back called communion in one kind. Have you ever heard of that term, communion in one kind? What it is is that, and I don't know all the historical reasons for it. There may have been good reasons at times for it, but, but. What developed was a practice where that they would take the sacrament and the priest would give the bread or sometimes maybe the, the wine to, to the recipient, to the person coming forward, but then they would not give them the other part. So they'd give them the bread, then they would drink the wine. Communion in one kind. The people got one kind of communion. And uh, you know why I have a problem with that? Because as we've talked about multiple times here, Christ is the head of the table. And Christ invites every single person in his body, in his family, to come to that table and he distributes the sacraments to them. And we are just the means to that end. So there's not communion in one kind. You know, imagine if we came forward to take communion today and, and uh, I don't know who's actually doing it, Charles Bruce... They give us the bread and then we turn to Bruce and Bruce says, (laughs) right, something's just symbolically off with that, right? Because Christ is offering that to us. They don't get to say it's just for them. Well, I want to say to you that the ministry of the church is for the people too. Ministry is not just for paid professionals. Ministry is for God's people. Now, let me give you just a few caveats before we get going today. Number one, I'm not anti-clerical. I'm not anti-paid uh, paid pastors, paid preachers, whatever you want to call them. I think sometimes there's an overreaction uh, on that side of things, and I'm not in that camp. But what I am against is this idea that you have, and you may have heard this before, where churches, the idea is they say 20% of the people do 80% of the work. You ever heard that? Somebody told me that not too long ago, talking about the church. They said, just remember that whatever the case is in any church, you're going to have 20% of the people who are going to do 80% of the work. I said, not if I can help it. <laughs> because that's not what I believe Scripture teaches about the church. So, so I, I'm not anti-clerical, but I am anti-pastor-centered, anti-clergy-centered church. Another caveat, just, to, just going through a list of things here. We've talked recently, Terry and Josh both have, have talked some about Uh, the miraculous manifestation of the Spirit. And I want to tell you that I am in full agreement with the kind of things that that they have talked about. Maybe we should say uh, there are some details you could talk about or work out always, but generally I am in agreement with the things that that they have shared with us about the miraculous manifestations of the Spirit. And, And for me, guys, I came a long way on that one. I used to give a sermon hammering those kind of things against those kind of things. And it was like my best sermon, too. Uh, <laughs> I went around preaching that, I and mean, I was proud of it. And uh, um, so for, for, for years, I, I opposed these things, and I, I eventually realized that's not what the Scriptures teach, and it's not representative of what God's doing. So, so put me down in favor of God's miraculous power. However, let me just clarify this for you in case you're confused at all. The point of studying spiritual gifts is not to sort of turn our Sunday morning services into a Pentecostal church service, Okay. That's not what we've been aiming for. If you've been sitting on the edge of your seat wondering, oh no, what's about to happen? That's not what the goal is with this. The, the point is not to sort of just center in and, and make the, the, our life depend upon can we see a miracle done. I'm all for miracles and I believe they're happening, but actually the point of this series, the, the reason we've uh, made it such a central focus and given several weeks to it, is so that we can empower all the body to serve in all kinds of ways. Because we believe the Spirit's active not just in miraculous things, but in all kinds of things. And, and we don't just need miracles. We need power. We need power for all kinds of different ministries. We need power from God to infuse things that seem mundane. And we need power for God for the other things that are not so mundane. And what we want to have is just an openness to the Spirit. No agendas, no trying to force things, but just an openness to God's spirit to do what he wants to do among us. And and when we're there, we're in a a good place. But but when gifts are mentioned in Scripture, you have things like healing and prophecy in tongues, but you also have things like faith and service and leadership and generosity. Those kind of things that, that people are doing in the church. And Paul mentions those things as gifts as well. I'll give you an example right now of, of an empowered, gifted person among us that we normally think of as spiritual gifts, and that, that's Drew. Uh, Drew has a gift of service, and I'm sure some of you know that because you benefited from it. Uh, Drew has told me when I've thanked him for serving in some way, he'll just say, I love doing this. And that's because God's Spirit has put in him the ability to serve and a passion for it. And so that's a person who's being used by God, by the Spirit, with the gift of service. He doesn't have to preach to be in ministry. He's in ministry as a service. By the way, that doorknob at my house still hasn't been fixed, Drew. Um, I know you've seen it. Uh, You were over there. I could do it, but I don't want to be pastor-centered. I'm going to let the body work. So I hope that's clear. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, with, with these things. I am for whatever God wants to do. And, and, and to some extent, when we talk about miraculous power, we're trying to correct where some of us have come from in our background, where, like I said, I was the, the leading the charge against these things. And we want to say, oh, you know, there was, there was just a total prejudice against God doing powerful things. We're trying to come away from that and say, no, God does powerful things in all kinds of ways. And, and we just want to be open to what He's doing among us. Okay, one more caveat before I, I get started uh, with the scripture today. Um, I thought I knew exactly what this passage meant before I studied it this week, and I had a very strong opinion about it. Um, my view has been challenged this week, and this is not good preaching, what I'm doing right now. <laughs> You're not supposed to do this. Preaching classes would not tell you to do this, but, but uh, I... Uh, I have to tell you that because I have to kind of uh, nuance what I'm saying today so that I can be honest about my own view with you today. So just, just know that up front. I'll tell you some more about that as we get going. And you just have to be patient with me if I annoy you in the way I'm qualifying this message. I know I annoy Olivia when I do this, but I, I have to. So. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we're talking about what ministry looks like when God is the focus of the church. And as you can see on the PowerPoint, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 today. Now, I kind of hate we have to jump in at Ephesians chapter 4 because it depends so much on Ephesians 1 through 3, this beautiful picture of grace that has emerged in those first three chapters. Uh, It's grace before time that's shown us, the time before time when God planned to save us and in his love, he reached down to rescue us. And he brought us in, and, and, and by grace, through faith, not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. So Nobody can boast about it. And he prepared this long before time, and he prepared beforehand that his church would come together and, and walk in good works because of the grace that's poured out upon them. And even more, if you read uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 carefully, he's done this so that he can plan in the coming ages to keep pouring out grace upon us. Wow. That's what he wants to do. Through all eternity, God wants to just pour grace out upon his church. And he's torn down walls that separated people groups. And he's brought Jew and Gentile together in one body in Christ. And then all that culminates at the end of chapter 3 with this, this message about love, God's prayer, that we would know the love of God that transcends knowledge. How wide and long and high and deep this love is. And then he finishes that chapter with this little prayer right here. Now to him who is, I've translated it powerful so you can see the connection. It's the same root word later in the verse. To him who is powerful to do exceeding abundantly, immeasurably more, infinitely more, beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, Now get that, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about God's power at work in the church. He is the one who's doing this. The church is his work. And this goes beyond what we can ask. It doesn't just go beyond what we can ask for. It goes beyond what we can think about. That's the power that God is placing in us. The power that works within us. Is a power that we can't, we can't even ask for enough. We can't even think of the things that God wants to do. That power that works in us. And then to that God, be glory. But look what, where it is. Be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus, all generations, forever and ever and ever and ever. But do you, do you catch that in the church? Yeah, we know in Christ, Christ is going to be glorified forever. But do you know that God wants his glory to be shown by his power and grace in Irving Church? According to that awesome power that raised Jesus from the dead, let God's glory be found in Irving Church and in Christ Jesus. Forever and ever, amen. And this is what we're talking about, actually, when we talk about spiritual gifts. We're talking about God who had a plan for the church, and he wants the church to manifest his glory to the world. So then we transition from this beautiful vision into The first six verses here, we won't spend a long time here. He says, I therefore, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of that calling that we've just talked about. How do you walk worthy of that calling? This is the calling you've been called to. What if what we've been talking about with spiritual gifts and the body functioning as God meant it to, what if that is a necessity for us to walk worthy of the beautiful calling be the church that glorifies God. See, then it's not just something for us to set on the sidelines and treat it as if it's, well, that's an optional extra for you if you want it. And we'll see how it's connected here in just a second. The first thing we do if we want to walk worthy of the calling is we walk with humility. I so appreciated Tony's prayer today where he emphasized us being a church of humility and love. We have to pray those kind of things publicly and frequently if we actually want God to do that among us that's not natural for really pervasive humility to characterize a church. That comes from the Holy Spirit. So we pray for it. We walk with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with each other in love. That's the first thing we do to be worthy of this calling because we are zealous to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's so much division around us and we've just gotten used to it whether it's at a macro level between Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, or all the different Protestant divisions here, there, and yon, we think, well, division's just the way it works. No, (laughs) it's not the way God meant for it to work. And we as a church want to do our part, whatever that is, whatever small part it is, to come against that. God never meant for his church to be so fragmented like it is today. And it's hard to even say that because we've just been lulled to sleep. It's all around us. We just think that's the way it's supposed to be because we lost the vision to be zealous to keep this unity that the Spirit creates. But it's also a local unity and we want to be zealous to keep it here. And the way to do it, there's only one pathway to it and it's the lowest path you can find. The pathway to unity is humility. We step down before each other and we love each other, lifting each other up. But since we've already mastered all that, we're going to go quickly through it. Just kidding. Just kidding. And then here's, here's what God has done that we should see that unites us. There's one body. He didn't make a body of Jews and a body of Gentiles and a body of Samaritans. He just made one body and one Holy Spirit that inhabits that body just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. So much we could talk about here but this is not the focus of our sermon today. There's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all and now we're back to talking about spiritual gifts again. Right here at this climactic moment, turning from this great beautiful call, turning to our first call to walk in humility and love with each other, and now spiritual gifts. But grace was given to each one of us. Just the fact that Paul places it here shows its importance. Does the same thing in Romans 12, comes to the climax of the book, has this powerful statement that, that many people are familiar with about Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This this ethical appeal. And then immediately he turns to talking about gifts functioning in the body. Because it's really important to what he thinks happens in the church. Right here, this this important moment, he's talking about how to live as the body of Christ. And he turns to talking about the church and about gifts. Paul, Paul says that Christ gave gifts According to, to his generosity, if you want to say, I don't think we should think he just measured it out just a little bit, but according to Christ's gift, he, he generously gave gifts to the church. And then he pauses and sort of parenthetically starts talking about Christ because he wants to put the emphasis not just on us having gifts, but on who it is who's giving these gifts, right? And he has got this weird-sounding stuff here in verses 8 through 10, but you get the point. Let's just read it. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. This is military language. And he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, that's the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Listen, don't, don't get lost in the, the sort of strange sounding details in that passage there. The, the point is clear. He's talking about the risen Christ ascending far above the heavens. So that he is ruling all things. And he wants to fill up the earth with himself. This is the Christ. We're not just talking about spiritual gifts. We're talking about the rulership and the victorious conquest of Jesus Christ. This Jesus who rules everything has chosen to give gifts to the body. That's where we find ourselves now living out spiritual gifts. Now, let me show you where this gets a little bit tricky. This is verse 11 to 12. He gets away from his digression, talking about Jesus ruling, Jesus being the one who wants to fill all things with himself, and he comes back and he says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Just We won't get into worrying about the distinctions there. Let's just say leadership positions, leadership gifts. That's what he gave to the church. And he gave them to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, the question is, how do you understand these prepositional phrases here? And I would not be uh, teasing out these details right now were it not for the fact that uh, this is where my struggle comes. So stay with me for just a second. The, I guess you might say one way to take this, but might be the traditional way, is Jesus gave leaders to And then it lists off these three things. He gave the leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for the building up the body of Christ. That's not the way I have understood that text. And I would say at least the majority of Protestant interpreters today don't understand it that way. Here's the way that I have understood it and that I want to preach it today. (laughs) Uh, Jesus gave leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. Do you see the difference there? In this one, it's, well, here we go. In this one, it's Jesus gave leaders so that the leaders equip the saints, and the leaders do the work of ministry, and the leaders build up the body of Christ. But in this one, it's that Jesus gave leaders to equip the saints so that the saints do the work of ministry, and the body is built up in that way. Now, um, let's just just roll with it here, okay? Um, We're going to, I have qualified this and I've told you I need to study it more because I did come across some good arguments for the previous view, for for this view right here this week, and I need to work some things out myself. But assuming, uh, and there are good reasons for this view as well, assuming that this is the right view. You see, I can't preach this with the forcefulness I was going to. (laughs) It doesn't come across with the power that I'd like to say it with when I have to say that, but I I get to sleep well at night. I guard my integrity. Um, uh, With this view, it means that, that leaders have a lot of times missed one of the most important things we were supposed to be doing. We weren't supposed to be doing the ministry for the saints. We were supposed to be equipping the saints to do the ministry. You see that? And that's a big difference. Now, let me just give a, give a caveat here. Even if we go back and, and take it the way some people do, it does not uh, discredit that point. So either way, I think I can keep that point. Because even if, if uh, God gave leaders, this is what Paul is saying, he gave leaders to, to equip the saints and to do a work of ministry. Well, he's equipping them for something, right? <laughs> and and uh, this does not discount what we find in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Romans chapter 12, where everybody is contributing something significant to the task of ministry, to the work of the church. And in fact, this is even supported further in this context here. Look at, we're going to skip ahead to verses... Well, this, this is from 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, Josh talked uh, about 1 Corinthians twelve seven last week, said something similar. But this is about God has arranged the members of the body so that each one has something to bring to the table. Every single member bring something, or else you don't have a body. There are many parts in one body. Terry talked about similar things. Well, here we are again in Ephesians talking about that same idea, all right? Look at this as we get to the end of this section here. So, as we speak the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that's Christ. Basically, we are growing, the imagery doesn't quite work, you're not growing into a head, but you get the idea. We're growing with the head as the leader, The head is Christ, he's leading us, and we're growing. And we grow up in every way in whom is the head, from whom the whole body joined and held together through what every joint supplies. Now think about that. That's what every joint supplies in the body. We grow with that kind of support. When each part is working properly, That is what makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Have you thought of the church as a place where every single part of the body has something very important to contribute? See, given the model that a lot of people work with today, this sounds like craziness. No, we go to church the church takes care of things and then we go back about our business have you have you thought about what a body would be if 20% of it actually functioned you got 20% of a healthy body that is a very sick person that's somebody who's about to die And yet we have accepted a model of church where 20% of the body can be healthy and we think, well, we're doing good. And we wonder why the church isn't thriving. People have said to the leaders, well, y'all do the ministry for us and we'll come and we'll give our money. And the leaders have said, y'all come and give your money and sit here and support a few things and we'll perform the weddings and the funerals and you'll be here as often as you can on Sundays and we'll do the work for you. And in so doing, we have disregarded the head of the body. Because if you saw in 1 Corinthians, God places people in the body as he chooses. And when we say, well, you're just nothing, you, you don't have to matter to the body, we're disregarding what he has chosen. Every person in the body is gifted by the spirit and has an important function to play so that God is glorified in the church. Has it ever occurred to you that God may not receive the glory that he is so deserving of simply because we disregard the way he has chosen to manifest himself? And we say, well, we're not going to worry about him manifesting through the church. When he said, I want to manifest through the church. You're my people. You're my chosen possession. And I want the world to see me through you guys doing something that you never see anywhere else. Through the church coming alive, through everybody knowing that the Spirit is in them, and everybody coming saying, I am in ministry. See, that's what I I want this church to be. I want us to be a place where everybody here understands themselves as a minister. I'm not the minister. I wish we had a a poster at the back back there. I'm I'm serious about this. I, I haven't gotten it approved or anything, but what my desire would be is that we all take a picture, a church picture, and we put it up alongside everything else back there, and we put ministers at the top. and Every one of us is in the picture because every one of us is drinking from the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't just pour out his gifts on leaders, on preachers or pastors. The Holy Spirit pours out his gifts on the saints. That's what you are. And leaders, if my interpretation is right, leaders should be equipping these saints to do the ministry. Not saying, you give me money and I'll do it for you. When that happens, we may get some kind of business propped up that will work for a while and will keep going but we do not have a church body that is growing up to the glory of God and that's what we want let me just say to you on a practical note that this will require and I know this from experience this will require much more than a good sermon or two it just doesn't happen given what people's expectations are, given what models we've received in the church. Uh, that's just typically not what happens. Uh, it doesn't get fixed by preaching at it. Maybe one or two people get excited and say, oh yeah, I'm going to start doing my ministry. But it, what we really need is structural change. And it has to be carefully thought about and it has to be implemented with a lot of intention. I, I think about I, uh, I tell people that I try to read enough in the field of psychology so that I'm not dangerous. And uh, people come to pastors sometimes and want you to work on their problems. So um, one thing that I have encountered um, in, in my reading, and this is rough, it's been a long time ago, but it's called family systems counseling. And some of you may be more familiar with it than, than I am. But if I remember right, what the deal is, is that, that counselor, counselors were working on helping like a kid or somebody who's really struggling. And they realized they would send that kid back into their home. And no matter what they said to him, no matter what tools they gave them to use, it wasn't helping a lot. Because they go back into the system where the father and the mother and the brother and the sister were still doing the same things they'd always done, and, and the kid couldn't get out, of the, get out of the cycle that he or she was in. What well, they said is, we've got to work on that system. We've got we to work on the whole family system to make a, make a change here. I think something similar with the church. We need, we need a church system adjustment where we say we are actually going to reconceive what we think of ministry and ministers and we're going to think of the whole body as being in ministry together and we're going to put practices in place that will ensure that happens now that's a lot easier said than done but it is possible it's possible because of what we read at the beginning of this talk the power of God is at work in the church I am an idealist when it comes to the church. Now, I'm a realist too. Maybe I should say, I'm a realist about what the church is, but I'm an idealist about what it can be. And I can't be anything else when I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and said that power is poured out on the church. And so I say... Let's blow the doors off of what people think is possible when it comes to ministry. And let's give the ministry back to the people. You know why we need to be in ministry? Because Jesus was in ministry. Jesus wasn't waking up every day saying, Let me go get my cup of coffee and sit here and think about how I can be Christ like. He was in ministry. He was caring about people. That's how we are Christ-like. And I wonder sometimes, you know, we're still talking about unity here. Unity is the governing idea of this whole passage. I wonder sometimes if division comes partially, maybe not as much as because of disagreement and pride, but partially because of boredom. Because people know they're made for more. They're made to be caught up in the great drama of goodness that God is unrolling in the world, but instead we're sitting at home wondering what to do, and we get tempted away, drawn away, by something that's more interesting like gossip, like something that's wrong with so-and-so and and -and such-and-such. When we ought to be in ministry and realize we're on the team together that God has formed to bring His glory, to show His glory to the world, that is a vision for the church. I'm going to cut out the rest of the sermon. I'm going too long. So uh, you can read the rest of that chat. I've skipped over a couple of verses. You can go ahead and read that and let the Lord speak to you in it. Let me just uh, close by saying our, our idea, our goal is for every person in the church to wake up every week thinking, I have important things to do in ministry for Jesus Christ this week. Every single person. And when that happens, the church is going to grow and mature and be more unified. And it's going to manifest the glory of God more and more. To God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.